Chapter 6 Little Tragedies I awoke the next day feeling spry. A rare feeling for me to have, or word to use, I was determined to enjoy my weekly jaunt to the local Walmart. As a side note, I hope they are still around when you read or listen to this. They have everything, most of the time, and the greeters are the best conversationalists. Tales of when things used to have a price, when paper money was literally coveted to death, when war made sense because peace was too unfamiliar. Believe me, try it out sometime. You'll never forget it. By 2091, almost everyone shopped. Every day. Period. Usually, I, I couldn't be bothered. Today, however, I needed turkey jerky from a bag, sour cream and cheddar chips from a pouch, and nacho cheese from a jar. And I was going to have it. It was about 8 in the morning. The sun had already begun its 180 degree journey. By then, the Wi-Fi paperboy had already ridden along and uploaded that day's news to the houses in my cul-de-sac. Yes, I know. You must be wondering, why would someone need to physically come to your house to give you something that's already online? The answer? Luxury is its own reward. That, and discipline, breeds character. Everyone needs a task to keep them busy. So, usually, bored ninth graders ride around with Wi-Fi repeaters on the backs of their bicycles. If nothing else, it passes the time. You had already gotten up at about six. As was the norm, after making you a bowl of cornflakes with chocolate milk, Marty watched a Disney film with you. It was a Wednesday, so it was probably the Prince of Egypt. Given your routine, you'd be taking your nap after your three-hour learning block. I believe it was a marathon of vintage PBS shows, mostly Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Sesame Street, and Bill Nye, in an amazingly unrepeating loop. Now, normally, when I go into town, I wear a suit. Not wanting to break tradition, I put one on and headed for the door leading to the garage. Before I opened it, with my hand in the doorknob, I closed my eyes and texted Alana. I'm going to the store, I let her know. Do you need anything while I'm out? A few seconds went by. Then, I could use some more chalk. And some yogurt protein bars. Lit up my eyelids. We already have some in the pantry, I replied. Same color chalk as last time? She instantly responded with, No. Get blue this time. It feels right today. As I headed into the garage and the lights dimmed on, I purposefully built a few tool benches and shelves styled after what you would normally find in a 1990s garage. They rarely ever got used, save for the occasional need for a glue gun or power drill. I just like the way it looks. The family car was nothing special. A four-door black sedan, it could drive at 75 miles per hour for 36 hours before you needed to recharge the battery relay via Wi-Fi. Elon Musk saved us all, especially the extremely tired and the lovers of liquor. Once inside the car, that's when the real fun began. 
A few years before, I had redone the interior so that it resembled a stagecoach. Specifically, one built in 1831. I don't know why that year, in particular, but that number always stuck with me. The tinted windows could, at the passenger's request, display a heavy winter in Albany. The doors were oak with a dark maroon finish. The flooring was, funny enough, shag carpeting. I did that so people wouldn't wear shoes in the family car, and for the most part, excluding your fourth birthday party, that stayed the case. Each of the four reclining bucket seats had memory foam in them. The dashboard wasn't touchscreen, as one would expect. I specifically took that out. Just didn't look right having 200 years of transportation technology bunched together. At least, not in this carriage. Each headrest would cradle the skull and, gently, position speakers near the ears, playing whatever was queued up on your personal CS holder. The air conditioning took all of ten seconds to bring the car to 72 degrees. After silently starting, the electric carriage of joy would play a low hum on the 1969 Dodge Charger through the seat cushions. Within seconds, the automated driving system had me on my way to consumer heaven. As you would imagine, it wasn't that hard to fall asleep in there. Thankfully, the navigational system, automatically, synced with the temple tap. If there was an emergency, I'd be awakened by giant warning signs. They usually said things like, Wake up, or Alert crash imminent, or Ducks crossing. My entire life, I never saw a single sign. There were just never any accidents. Ducks, now that I think back. It didn't take more than ten minutes to reach the nearest Walmart. After the car parked and then shut off, I took a moment to myself. I looked at all of the people coming in and out of the store, pushing overly filled shopping carts, lining their cargo spaces with bag after bag of necessity, smiling, content, not a care in the world, this one or another. I went into the store looking forward to a lengthy debate over the first Korean War with a greeter. Seeing that they were already engaged with two customers in a debate over the duration of the American Great Recession, I took a cart and went on my way. As I walked through the men's clothing section, the near-field ads started popping up over select items. Tiny, holographic people enacted commercials over the racks and on the shelves. A flannel-shirted man put his laundry on a clothesline that hung over a section with short-sleeved button-down shirts. I don't need to be ironed. Ever. Real clothing. For the real worker. Boomed from his chest. On the shelves, a woman, a little boy, and a dog were playing frisbee. The dog almost missed the yellow disc as they both dove over the edge. The woman and the little boy looked, and then laughed hysterically. The woman looked at the boy's knees. At least your jeans are still clean. As interesting as all that was. As interesting as that all was, I didn't want to spend my whole time there watching little tragedies. So after touching my temple, I blinked twice and then closed my eyes. The store's menu faded into existence.
I looked at the main menu tab and, after looking at the button for three seconds, switched off the infomercial shopping helper. When I opened my eyes, I was already walking back to the car. How long was I eye-walking for? Had I bumped into anyone? And for the love of all that's good and holy, I hope that didn't look silly. In my cart, I saw the scavenging of a delirious shopper on that fabled Black Friday. A jar of sweet relish, a box of peach oolong tea, a tennis ball, a beach ball, a box of blue chalk, two orange triangular roadside warning signs, turkey jerky from a bag, sour cream and cheddar chips in a pouch, nacho cheese in a jar. Although I'd gotten the snacks I'd originally come out for, I'd clearly taken all these things on impulse. What impulse, I'm not sure. However, I'm not going to lie. It felt good. It felt really good, as it always does, to get what you want and move on to the next desire. Even if you don't know that you want it. As I started to put my mystery shopping in the trunk, I was, frantically, tapped on my shoulder. Turning around, I found myself, face to face, with a man that was so old he could have been my grandfather. He had on a black cashmere three-quarter coat and a long gray scarf. By my recollection, it must have been over ten feet long. His own suit was pretty clean, despite the fact that it had, reluctantly, been through some wear and tear. His hair was slipped back and down, going well beyond his shoulders. His black boots stood out, most of all, because they must have been from the Second World War. The water is bad for you, he whispered to me. I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch that, I whispered back. I was up for a game of inflection miming, though he didn't seem to be in the mood for it. For all of us, he continued. After grabbing my shoulder, his voice raised a bit. No one's supposed to be this happy. I looked at him for a few seconds and then asked, mm, Why not? He quickly responded, When was the last time you remembered? Suddenly, three gentlemen, in suits much better than mine, surrounded us. One of them tried to put his fist through the old man's face. A tooth flew through the air, overshadowed by a thick spurt of blood. A different man, in the background, gasped. Why'd he hit him? He asked his husband. I don't know, the spouse replied. Get the kids in the car. Two of the clean-suited men picked up the bleeding old man. A luxury sedan pulled up. The trunk opened automatically, and, with too little effort, they threw him inside. As I thought about what in the world that old man was talking about, I couldn't reconcile it with the fact that money was obsolete. Nevertheless, things still got made. Deliveries still went out. Everyone just, collectively, decided to find an inherent value in everyday activities. Family. Friends. Life. People always used receipts anyway. Now, everyone just sent them, electronically to the Treasury Department and the National Advertisement Collective. Simple. To the point. Thank you. Come again.